0: Right, well, I want to talk about the time in the Bible, in the New Testament, where Philip baptizes this Ethiopian eunuch. Now, remember that Christianity started with Jesus, who was a Jew, and the first Christians were all Jews. And so, it was a big struggle for them to understand that Gentiles, that is, people who are not Jews, could get baptized. They struggled with that, for us it's obvious. But for them, this was a struggle. And this is one of the first examples of a Gentile getting baptised. So, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go at midday to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, the this desert. And he arose and went, and a man from Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was over all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship when he was returning, and sitting in his chariot was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join this chariot. Now, he wasn't just a one leg in a chariot. This would have been like, uh, for a wealthy guy like this, this would have been like a little apartment on wheels with loads of uh, servants and so on. He was a big guy. Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. Not off his tablet, not from a book, but from the scroll, what they used to have. And said, Do you understand what you read? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he begged Philip to come up and sit with them. Now the passage of the scripture which he was reading was this. So this is Isaiah 53, which I did talk about here some weeks ago. This very clear prediction, prophecy of the sufferings of Jesus. So he's reading his scroll. He comes to the bit, that says, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer, his cutter-off, He's dumb. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can speak of his children? For his life is taken up from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I beg you, of whom does the prophet speak, of himself or of somebody else? Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from the scripture, preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came upon some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what hinders me from being baptized? I guess it was an oasis. And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at the Zotus, and passing through that area, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So, get up, the angel says to Philip, at midday and go out into some obscure part of the desert. All the time, the call of God is counterintuitive. <coughs> at midday, this is like the sun, maximum heat. You get up and go out into the desert. And he arose and went. You yeah. know? There is always something counterintuitive. It's like when the disciples have been fishing all night. So that we didn't catch anything. Jesus says, go out again and cast the net on the other side. Well, oh, what's that gonna do? We're fishermen, you're a carpenter, right? We're fishermen. Yeah. This is how it is that to be a Christian is to some degree to walk out against the wind of your own natural, what I think logically would be best, etc. Well, the road is going down away from Jerusalem into the desert. He arose and went, To the man from Ethiopia, well, Ethiopia was understood as the ends of the known earth. So he's a Gentile, he's far away, a eunuch of great authority under this queen, who had control over all her treasure. So he's a big guy in the Ethiopian government, and the queen, their leader is a queen. And so he has been made a eunuch. Right? He has been castrated so he can't have children. He's not going to have attraction to women because the boss is a woman so they're to have someone in control of all the money who is totally dedicated to the job. Totally dedicated to the job. So that's why they had eunuchs, the castrated people. And I'm going to come to this a bit later, but, sorry to be a little bit physical about it, but it's going to be important as we come later on, this involved uh, crushing the testicles, and it often involved removal of the penis, and so they urinated through a kind of a hole. Now, (laughs) I'll be coming back to this, (laughs) Uh, I'm not just delighting in uh, drawing stuff. So, he was a total career player. he was totally on his job, looking after the treasure that belonged to the Queen, no interest in nothing else, and so he had turned to God, unsurprisingly really, because what can your career give you, if you've got no family, if you've got nothing else, if it's just career, 100%, which is for a lot of people, city gents and girls and whatever, Looks great, oh, you've got a massive salary, you've got this, you've got that, but there is this chronic emptiness and this crying out towards God. Anyway, so he'd been up to Jerusalem. He had got the idea that he could come somehow to the God of Israel. He'd figured that the one true God of Israel was the one true God and he wants to connect with him. So he goes to Jerusalem, the temple. And he was returning. And Hebrew, I think, the idea of returning and repentance, and conversion—it's all the same, turning around. He was converting. You can read that verse if you wish. But well, how did he get on in Jerusalem? Goes to the temple, goes to the Jews, the uh, rabbis and the Pharisees and so forth, and says, "Oh, can I be can I be part of your your wonderful religion?" Uh, no. He had about everything against him. For one thing, he was a Gentile. Well, the Jews thought, well, the God of Israel is for Jews, not for dirty Gentiles. So he's a Gentile, he's a black guy, I'm sure that counted against him, and he's a eunuch. Why would that count against him? Well, uh, because in the law of Moses it specifically says that a male whose testicles have been crushed cannot be part. Of the community. The other uh, big thing that the, the Jews are all about is oh, if you want to be in the covenant, you've got to be circumcised. They would have said to him, Are you circumcised? And we don't know what he answered, but probably he said nothing. Because the fact that it was a eunuch was not necessarily physically apparent. You know, badge on, said, I am a eunuch. So the fact that he was asked, it would have been, I'll definitely ask the question, well, are you circumcised? Do you willing to get circumcised? Well, would have been, well, I don't really have a penis, so I can't be circumcised, I guess. Um, so, he was disappointed. <laughs> disappointed. He wanted to come to God, but the structure, the religious structure, stopped him. Extrapolating out of it, this... Of course, has been the case with so many of us that the religious structure stops stops us. It's a barrier. It doesn't maybe tend to be, but it is a barrier between God and man. You love a man like a convent. Well, he is reading the scroll of Isaiah. Where did he get that from? I mean, books weren't, scrolls weren't cheap. He was wealthy, he had all the money. So he could have bought a scroll. Returning, he was converting, it says. He was sort of coming to God, but humanly speaking, disappointed. The Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join his chariot. It's the same word that's going to be used later on about Peter when he's told, Go and join with Cornelius, who's a Gentile centurion, and baptize him. And he says, Oh, no, I can't, Lord, I'm not allowed to join with Gentiles. And actually, We're told that Peter was told to do that at midday. Same time. You see then how the Lord is working in parallel with two men. Here you're reading about Philip being led at midday to go and join with a Gentile and baptize him, which is totally against all that he as a Jew thought you should do. Next chapter, in chapter ten, you're going to read about Peter having the same experience and they both end up at Caesarea and you can go through this whole story and see the two guys in parallel and that's what we see with the Lord Jesus who is active leading different people at different speeds and totally different places to the same conclusion there's like a hallmark, there's like a stamp that this is him and that is what Christian fellowship is about, you think oh wow I have had this, uh, I have this way of working This Jesus is working with me, and I mean you, and I mean you, and oh, yeah, he's been working in the same way with you. And this is what Christian fellowship is about, that realising that, wow, the same pattern, the same hand is at work in my life. Philip ran to him, you see, he's really enthusiastic to obey than Peter, actually, was arguing a bit back with the Lord, but he he runs, he he says yes straight away. If you've had kids, you know, you want your children to say yes straight away. And that's what God wants of us. And here you see Philip, he's a great example. Yes, straight away. So he runs to him and says, do you understand what you read? Well, the... Really it is actually the same Greek word, understand. Do you understand what you're understanding? Do you get it? Well, <laughs> you can read on one level and not get it. And we all know that. So he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he eventually become up and sick with him. So how can I understand unless somebody guides me? Paul says, How can they hear without a same well, I think it's very unusual that somebody sitting on a desert island reading the Bible alone would come to Jesus Christ. Maybe in an extreme case they would. But God in His wisdom has chosen to always work through a mechanism. Right? So how can I understand unless someone writes me? This is the myth of thinking that if you just keep on reading the Bible you're going to get it. Yes and no. Yes, keep reading the Bible trying to understand. But you need someone to guide you. Well so say, how can they hear without a preacher? And you wonder why God's structure is our purpose like that. Well, I think it is so that we have a mission. So that we have some significance in our lives. So that we are the method, the mechanism, through which people come to Jesus. And that's why we've got to keep praying for meetings of people, like Colleen is saying. they out on the street down in North End, Croydon here, talking to people. Like Spiro is, who's can't be here today, he's got a big family gathering, like a lot of other people. Um, <coughs> what John was trying to do, all sorts of people are trying to do that in different ways. And if you bring even one person in your life to Jesus Christ and they come to everlasting life, wow, life was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You can't compare that with, oh, well, I had a career up in the city, and I, you know, I made my five million. Huh? And after that, you shall die. You know, and you were just another development of scribbled across the face of the earth. Now, the passage of the scripture, and I said he was reading a scroll, which he was reading, was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer, which literally means cut it off, is done, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can speak of his children? It doesn't happen. But his life is taken up from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I beg you, of whom does the prophet speak of himself? What is somebody else? Now, I went through this with you some weeks ago. This is all talking about Jesus on the cross. The whole chapter, Isaiah 53, the whole thing. But he focuses on a few phrases and verses out of that chapter. And so, it's the same with us. You may look at the cross of Jesus. As I keep saying, you've reconstructed your own mind, his death there, and you will focus on some aspects of it that are personal to you. For example, the tragedy of a man dying with his mother watching him. And then her walking away. She was at the foot of the cross, and then she goes away. Well, that may re-stimulate for you. You see a connection between him there and you in your issues with your mother, or lack thereof. He was in pain, obviously. His bones were all in pain. You may have bone pain. He was absolutely falsely accused. Maybe you've been through that. Well, the bits of the prophecy that the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch focuses on, are all about humiliation. The sheep is led to the slaughter and is dumb before his shearer. Why? Because the sheep has, if you like, been humiliated, has been dumbed down, to the point that the sheep is, you do what you want them You can kill me, you can cut my wool off me, I'm, I'm totally zombified, I'm just feet up and dumb down. In his humiliation, literally, his doing down. His depression in a literal sense. Justice was denied. him. He had no justice. So there's this Ethiopian unit reading this thinking, this is me. I went up there to Jerusalem because I wanted to come to God and they basically told me, you're a black guy, you're a Gentile, You are a eunuch, so you therefore cannot be even circumcised. Your testicles are crushed, as I talked about a few minutes ago. Uh, Therefore, you are nothing. And he did not even open his mouth. You see, he reads about this uh, lamb that is so humiliated and dumbed down, he can't even open his mouth. And I think that's what they said to him. Okay, mister, you want to become a Jew? You want to become part of us? Uh, have you been circumcised? He didn't sign anything. Because how could he sign how, huh? how could he sign anything? He's got none. How could he sign anything? Exactly. How could he sign anything? They say to the know, <coughs> Excuse me, sir, have you been circumcised? As you say, cow. he couldn't sign anything. And now the guy's reading this bit about Jesus, who. But so humiliated and dumbed down that he did not open his mouth. Justice was denied him. The eunuch would have been thinking, This is so unfair. What kind of God is this, huh? What kind of religion is this? I stood my fault, it's how I am. You say I'm a Gentile, I'm a black guy, and I'm a eunuch, even though I'm wealthy and I'm a, a top guy in my own country, this is so unjust. Oh, someone else had an unjust experience. And who can speak of his children? You're to be thinking, well, I don't have any kids. Which in their day was, you know, absolutely terrible. Didn't have any kids. Ah, here's someone else who didn't have any kids. His life is taken up from the earth. So he reads about a guy who's humiliated, who is dumbed down, but his life is taken up. There is a bee pattern. It's taken down and comes up. Not surprising when it says, can I be baptized into Jesus? And that's why it says, as we read, they went down into the water and came up with B shape. Depression and exaltation. So, he's reading this about the crucifixion and he feels that this person, this Messiah, is actually him. He sees that Jesus was his representative. Representative. And that's the huge attraction or meaning of the idea that the Lord had our nature, that in him I see me, that there is a bridge between him there on the cross 2,000 years ago and me here in this pub today. And there's a bridge between my feelings and sufferings and, and feeling of depression, of injustice, of abuse, and his And you come to this basic thing, as we were singing, uh, Jonathan was doing the carols, Emmanuel, God with us, that man is not alone, because we have him. And as I have said often here, you know, you can talk to somebody all day and all night about your past, your feelings, your experiences... I get that feeling, but you don't get me. You don't understand me. We all got a T-shirt on that says, please understand me. But you you can talk to me about your life and your sufferings and your situation, and I'm still not going to get it because I can't quite walk with you for all you've been through. I can do the same with you. We can drink coffee all night, and I'm talking to you and telling you about myself, and you still won't get it. But... Here is the ultimate truth, that man is not alone, because there is somebody. Well, maybe not on the side, but for sure, somebody in heaven there. Who knows you better than you know yourself. And there is this bridge, bridges, between your experiences and his. And that is why the crucifixion of the Lord was so intense. I've told you before, didn't I, about when I'll sitting next to this very large black woman in, in America, in, in an airport. Um, and I'm trying to preach to her, and she goes like, oh, I don't want you, Jesus. I, I, I want a, I I need to have a woman, not a, not a Jewish man. I need to have a woman, and I need to have a black woman, and I need to have a southern black American woman. And I'm a lesbian, and I need to have a lesbian to be my savior. And I was scratching my head, first of all, thinking... Well, eventually I thought, yeah, you've got a point. And then I've got it. (laughs) You've got it in Jesus. Because he was so unique that actually nobody can say, you are unable to relate to me. This is the unique thing about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is, yeah, it's a silly argument in a sense what she said. I mean, you know, so the Chinese guy wants a Chinese Jesus. So, the Jew wants a Jewish Jesus, and the Arab wants an Arabic Jesus, and so forth and so on. No, there's only one Jesus. But because of the unique uh, mystery, and it is a bit of a mystery, the unique mystery of how he was, he is the friend of every man, he and woman, the representative of everybody in him. Because of the unique Nexus and range of his experiences and sufferings in him. In him, you find someone who can relate to you. And that's why the unit said to Philip, I beg you. Who's he talking about? About himself or somebody else? I beg you. I want to know. Now, he's a big guy, the usual. He's a powerful guy. And Philip is just some random Jew. Like he, verse 31, he begged Philip to come up and sit with him. And now he says, I beg you, who's the prophet speaking about? Again, it's the inversion, that the big powerful guy, this Ethiopian unit, this very really wealthy, powerful guy, humbles himself. Ah, oh, you can help me, I beg you, I beg you, tell me. Because he thinks, well, is this prophet talking about himself or it seems to be talking about somebody else? And I'm sure the unit was thinking, and that somebody else could be me. But who was the somebody else? The somebody else was Jesus. But it was also the Ethiopian unit. Just as you see the Lord Jesus there on the cross, which is what we're here to remember in the bread and the juice. And we see him there, and we see ourselves. And we want to be connected with him. And so Philip preaches to him and the guy says, what hinders me from being baptised when he sees an oasis? What hinders me? Well, he's just been up there in Jerusalem listening to all his you know, religion, basically, churchiality. Oh, you can't this, you can't that, you've got to be circumcised. Whoops. Um, you, you've got to be, uh, you know, in the club, you're a Gentile, and I'm sure that might be was a black guy, I mean, I'm sorry, but that's how it was. Um, and all these barriers and he says, Well, this Jesus, surely there's no barrier. What hinders me? And Philip says there's not mate, you're free. Go ahead. And that's the thing. No matter what our experience of being kicked out of churches, of being this or being that or whatever, hypocrisy people say churches are full of hypocrites. Absolutely right. And the you know the pastor takes off with the choir girl, and all this yeah, yeah, sure. All that may be true, and is often true, but so what? If you have got that personal connection with Jesus Christ, that means everything. That is absolutely everything. There are no barriers. What hinders me? What stops me? And again, the parallel with Peter, he says, who can forbid, who can hinder the water of baptism? for these Gentiles. God led Peter in the same path he led Philip. And that is why in verse 40, Philip is whisked away to Azotus and preaches the gospel in all those towns like Lydda and and Shalom, up the coast until you come to Caesarea, and Peter goes and does exactly the same, same itinerary, and ends up baptizing uh, when he's in Joppa, then he goes to Caesarea and baptizes Cornelius and Caesarea. So God is working, God is active, Jesus is active. You see, God is not, as I keep saying, he's not an old man in the sky. And Jesus is not up there sort of sitting on God's right hand just waiting for the the nod to come to earth and sort of, I don't know, looking around the cosmos and, and the, whatever. He is active. Jesus is an active Lord, working in the lives, parallel lives of multiple people. Now, the man is baptised, they go down into the water, come up out of the water, 39, The Philip catches away, Philip He' snatched away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. So the guy goes on his own to Ethiopia. There was no church there, it was just him. But there's historical evidence that the church did begin in Ethiopia and he did convert people. Again, the point is that you don't need a structure. You do not need a structure, a religious structure. He didn't get on very well with that one in Jerusalem. I don't want to know. And then he is converted, he's baptised and he goes on his own. Whoosh, Philip's gone. Oh, where are you, Philip? I just wanted to ask you, wait, oh, can you just tell him? he's gone? And he goes on his way rejoicing. Now understand that I'm emphasizing, if you like, the personal, let's say, pole of spirituality against the pole of religion. I'm not against church. No. But I'm saying that that is a a plus. If you find a church that's helpful, as I get older, I keep coming with this word helpful. If you find a church that's helpful, wonderful. Wonderful. That's a bonus as a plus. But the essence is personal baptism into Jesus, going on your way, rejoicing, knowing that I have got him and he has got me, and if I stand with my back to the world, so it is. I've got him. It's like in a good relationship. It's like with Cynthia and I. You know, i got her. And if you all turn against me and the rest of the world gives me the little finger, and the rest of it, if I stand with my, my back to the whole planet. Well, good for you. But I've got her. And it's the same above all with Jesus. You're still back to the world. You get rejected. You get kicked out. You get life goes wrong. Okay. But I've got someone. And he is with me. And I am with him. I know that I connect with him and he connects with me. I have got somebody. And that is what everybody wants in this world. Again, the t-shirt everyone wears is, I want somebody. I want somebody to understand me. I want somebody to call my own. I want somebody who gets it and it gets me and I get them. And there is the answer. People spending all their life reading books about relationships, sitting up all night, chatting with each other, trying to work this out, oh we've got to work through that, oh we've got to work through that. Might or may not work to some degree, but you have got him. And that, summing up, is the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's why I beg you, if you have not been baptized, get baptized. Make that connection with Him. You have nothing to lose. Talk to Sydney, Talk to me. Come back to our place in South Croydon. We've got a big bathtub. Let's do it. You know, absolutely. And we who have been baptized, many of us have been, we're going on our way rejoicing. We have got Him. Man is not alone. Emmanuel, God is with us. And we are with Him and He is with us. So, let's... Um, Let's think about the Lord and His death. We're going to take the um, the bread and the cup. And this is the little physical thing we do, to, to remind ourselves of Him and of our connection with Him. And as that bread represents His body, it shows that we are part with Him. The cup represents His blood, His life. His life is my life. My life is His. And I have committed and connected to him. So let's give thanks for the bread. know Jonathan, would you like us to pray for the bread. Um, all right, Jonathan, the bread sure. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you uh, said this scripture final uh, I described it as you. So thank you for your body that was laid down to us. It promises us healing with our bodies, for our souls, our hearts, and our minds. We can be healed from pain from the past. We can be healed from uh, sadness or grief or anything that we go through. Uh, You can heal us because you can restore us. You can restore our souls. You can heal us. Uh, Right. Well, the cup represents his blood, his life, the gift that he gave to us. His desire to live in us and us in Him. Oh, Kevin, so good to see you. I'm sorry you got an hour delayed on the buses, but would um, you like to give a thanks? Thanks the cup? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we want to thank you for today. And as we partake of the communion with Jesus, I pray you bless this drink in remembrance of you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Lovely. So this is the cup of the new cup. let Let's give thanks for the food. Um, uh, Sean, would you like to give thanks for the food? Yeah. Uh, Father, we thank you for the food that is brought to us today um, by this pub. We thank you for um, Duncan for spreading your good news. Bless the week that's ahead of us. Bless every single person in this room. This is your holy house, Lord. This okay. is your life that you've given up for us. In your name, Jesus, all of us in this room today, all of your good people on this earth, say amen. And uh, by the way, um, because it's Christmas, we're on holiday, that includes, uh, I'm afraid, our church. Um, next Sunday is the 25th, and obviously the pub is going to be fully England. So we can't reuse a pub, so we're not meeting next Sunday. The next Sunday after that is New Year's Day, first, and we're not meeting then either, so we've actually got a break of two weeks. Now, in those two weeks, as I told you, I'm going to be in, uh, in Ukraine, and I really would appreciate your prayers, because I'm um, I'm not going to a very safe uh, area, and I would appreciate your prayers where I'm going, and that song is under daily bombardment, and um, Russian troops are about 400 metres away, across the river, that's in the uh, mortars and uh, shelling, round o'clock. So uh, I've got a whole load of people to baptise there and try and help people keep warm. Remember, we had the discussion the other week about how on earth to try and keep warm. It's a very, very difficult for them. it's blown up all the time in terms of electricity, gas, and the rest sort of it. So I really will appreciate the prayers. And on the WhatsApp group, I will try and keep you updated. And um, please do uh, pray for me. So we're going to have um, our food. Mm -hmm. And also the sing song.